Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Better Right Show in conjunction with BetterRight.com, a brand new website that brings the football data to your door. Each week, we'll update you on the key numbers and metrics that you can use to help you show off in front of your mates and allow you to bet better. Make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast and get involved with us at BetterRight.com. Uh, firstly, a big well done to those of you that got the correct score prediction right on our BIR Insights page on Twitter um, in the Liverpool Inter game or Inter Liverpool game. It was at the San Siro. Uh, correct scores were predicted by at Doe Bronx and at George Pottage One, who correctly predicted 2 0 to Liverpool. And they will be going to Anfield very much in the box seat. Um, we've got a, another great weekend of football to look forward to which we'll preview here on the bet it right show but before we get our uh, teeth stuck into some of the weekend fixtures i want to talk with dean about i guess a player who's very much been in the news recently um, and has come in for a lot of criticism and the player in question is harry Maguire at, at manchester united um the reason i want to bring this up is because actually what we offer at bet it right and the service that the the data provides perhaps goes against sort of public opinion. And I want to get your thoughts on whether Harry Maguire is being unfairly vilified for his performances and whether the numbers back up the sort of universal criticism he's receiving at the moment. What do you think and what do the the numbers and the data tell us? Firstly, good afternoon to everybody, to you, Ollie. Good to see you again. Our good old friend Harry Maguire, or Slabhead, as he's known, if you look for a few memes online. I think with Harry Maguire, the, the difficult thing is because you're suddenly projected into being the most expensive defender in the world, people expect you to be perfect. And the size that he is, the way that he moves, a little bit pigeon-toed, he doesn't look like a smooth kind of Rolls-Royce centre-half like Virgil van Dijk, like Ruben Diaz. You know, he doesn't move in, the, in that way. And so automatically, it's always like, oh, he looks a bit awkward in possession, out of possession, looks a bit clumsy. And I think that that already puts people off. Uh, so what you know, what what we can do about it, right? You know, what we do behind the scenes is we can look at and we have some per ninety values across thirty different metrics, where it's a weighted formula in favour of either defenders or attackers, depending on which player it is, and that produces a rating. And we also have what's called a coefficiency rating, where we can apply the rating from the Premier League and compare that with a player in the Bundesliga, compare that with a player in Ligue 1, compare that with a player in Serie A. So if a club wanted to sign a player, they could look and say, OK, well, if he comes across to the Premier League, is he going to actually be any good? Um, and we had a look at that and we looked at before Ranić and after Ranić. And it's actually quite a stark contrast uh, to Harry Maguire's performances since Ranić's come in. Uh, his rating has improved uh, from 5.18 to 7.24, which is you know an almost a 50 percent increase. So he's getting a lot of bad press. He did his uh, no-look defending against Southampton when he kind of ran past the ball and everyone started posting about him. But he's definitely made improvements under under Ranić. And and when you look at the the numbers, improvement in uh, is that improvement across the board near enough? Yeah, if you look at it, his tackles are, are slightly um, are slightly down. His interceptions are up. His blocks are down. His challenges are up. Now, when you're looking at these and you can look at kind of in possession and out of possession, and obviously, like I mentioned, the weights are different depending if it's a defender, midfielder or a forward. But the, I guess the question to ask is, is Ranić's shape, that narrow 4-2-2-2 with a high press and players playing on the inside, giving him extra protection? Is that allowing him to actually improve his numbers with because he's not as exposed? His in-possession numbers have also 
improved. Um, higher percentage of passes completed. His pass accuracy is down, but it's a high number of passes, just percentage uh, completion is down. So he's having the ball more. He's not completing as many. Um, but then United are conceding far less goals and, and his rating's gone up. And I think that's just a testament partly to Ranić. Maybe Ranić's helping him improve. Maybe it's the system, but he's definitely a player that's on the up and and doing a little bit better than maybe just the the armchairs and and the and the press put, you know, uh, discuss about him. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? And another thing is, as well as that, uh, you know, people are saying that, you know, you hear on the radio or you hear sort of football experts saying that um, that Ranić's not doing very well at United. Obviously, we hear about the sort of off-field stuff, the leaks in the press and and things like that. So Man Manchester United are very much the focus of a lot of chat at the moment within football programs and what have you. It's interesting what you're hearing, what what I'm hearing from you there, because you're saying that essentially Ranić's tightening them up and and has improved players like Harry Maguire. That would be contrary to the to the general opinion out there at the moment. Is is that fair that the the numbers don't match up with the sort of the noise at the moment? Yeah, I would say that. And when you compare him to other big centre halves, so if you look at the players through the last five years that have been the most expensive centre-backs to move. So if you're looking at Ruben Diaz at City, Imeric Laporte at City, Virgil van Dijk at Liverpool, uh, look at Rafa Varane, who's gone and obviously joined him at Manchester United, and Lucas Hernandez at Bayern Munich, who are the most expensive centre-backs to move in the last five seasons. Maguire's sort of in the middle, a little bit higher than Rafa Varane. His rating's 7.12. Lucas Hernandez is the lowest out of that group at 6.74. Ruben Diaz... You know, as expected, the highest rating of a centre-back at 8.21 with, with Virgil van Dijk and I'm Eric Laporte just behind, 8.13, 7.8. And then Matthias Delict in the middle at 7.34. So you would say from the ratings, from pre-Ranić to post-Ranić, Harry Maguire's numbers, outside of just our subjective eyes and ears and what we see and what we kind of like, we all have our biases at players that we look at and we like them. You know, we're, we're led certain ways. We read certain newspapers. We'll create that confirmation bias for ourselves. But the numbers underneath that, which is obviously what Bet It Right is all about, shows that he's actually improving. And interestingly, his numbers are above Rafa Varane, who has, you know, I've not heard anyone sort of criticising Varane or, you know, he just sort of, because he, obviously he's been around and sort of done it all. But, but that's interesting that Maguire comes out on top of Varane in terms of the Bet It Right rating. I would say for, for Maguire, the thing that probably lets him down and leads to this press is that there is always there's always one moment in a game where he does something that is very much not considered to be top defending. So the, the not decelerating when he's going against Southampton in the wide area. Um, there was the one where he was on the edge of the box, kind of running around in a circle and they played it wide and crossed it. I can't remember the game, but there's always seems to be one moment and everybody just focuses on that one moment as opposed to the rest of the game and looking at the underlying numbers. And that's where... You know, if you're a club looking to recruit, if you're a punter looking to bet, you need to be looking underneath the results into the numbers when you're looking to prepare your bets at the weekend, trying to black out all the noise from the press and from kind of favourite teams and favourite players and really deep dive into that data. And that's where you're going to find value in all your bets. Yep, good point. Uh, the conclusion then is Harry Maguire is a friend of ours at Bet It Right. I hope he's watching this and can uh, can use this to show the critics that uh, he's doing it's, all right. Exactly. If he's got Bet It Right behind him, everything's going to be just fine. <laughs> what about um, another player who sort of talked about, uh, I watched, um, 
I watched PSG versus Madrid on, on Tuesday night and I've got to say, I thought Messi was a complete passenger. He just looked, at, and he looked disinterested. What do the numbers tell us about Lionel Messi in, in France? He's definitely performing at a much lower level than he was in the last two seasons at Barcelona. The system, you know, he's not the main guy anymore. Barcelona, he could kind of wander around into those pockets and, and have three or four explosive moments per half and really kind of dictate, drift into that wide right position and come in on his left foot. Whereas at PSG, you've got to accommodate all those other big names. And I can't imagine it's a job that is that enjoyable for Pochettino, trying to fit everybody in. And like you said, he drifted in and out of the game, as he always does. But in those key moments, the short dribbles, the explosive moments in central areas, that's where he seems to be turning the ball over a lot more now. And he's got a higher assist rating at PSG this season than he did at Barca last season. But the big thing that, you know, that he's built his career around, and he is 34 now, which we do have to we do have to appreciate. And typical dribblers in the past, if you think about Ryan Giggs's kind of John Barnes, two players that just sprung to my mind then, as they get older in their careers, they tended to drift into more central positions, dribble less, pass more. And his dribbles have dropped considerably in the last two seasons. And even though his rating is actually still really high on our ratings, because he is, you know, his average is normally better than most people's you know, their best day. He's definitely a player that he doesn't look happy in uh, in Paris. And obviously it was very emotional for him to leave Barca. It was clear on the videos that he was kind of distraught by it. And I just don't know whether it's it's suiting him there, whether there's some hangover from that, the penalty miss, his body language at the end when they ran to the crowd and everyone jumped in the air. He was the kind of person that jumped the least. And he just, maybe that was just he, him feeling really bad about his own performance or that he let the team down. But, he, he you know, he doesn't look as kind of uh, the Lionel Messi that we're, that we're all so used to seeing. Or the fact that you should never, ever celebrate like that after winning the first leg of anything. It really winds me up that. I saw them all celebrating. I mean, I know it's sort of traditional at the part of the France to do that and what have you, but go into the dressing room, don't celebrate. Celebrate when you get through to the next round. You've done half of the job. I think in the moment, that's almost impossible not. In, you know, in the 92nd minute. But I did read something this week, funny enough, for that from that game. Someone, I don't know if you saw it, someone had a bet builder that would have returned 36,000 if um, Mbappe would have scored. That was the last thing. And he uh, supposedly um, cashed out, you know, on 89 minutes for something like 2,000. And then two minutes later, he scored, which would have been worth 36,000. <laughs> We'll we'll have a conversation once one day. I'm sure on the Better Right Show about the about cashing out and and how we approach cashing out. Actually, I think that's probably quite an important tool for punters to listen to. Actually, the drama, the drama of cashing out. Yeah, I know, don't. I mean, it's look. If he didn't score, then he might say he lost the bet and blah blah blah. But who knows? Anyway, well, if um, you're, I mean, I don't want this to sound you know too negative, but if you're a real punter, you just never cash out, right? Because the bet's laid. You just treat yeah. it like you used to go to the bookies when you were younger and there was no such thing as online gambling and cash out and automatic payouts at 2-0 like they do on certain websites. But yeah, you've just got to let it ride. Let it yeah. ride. And in a very, I mean, in some instances, if you've got lots of money tied up, blah, 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 you know, whatever, I can understand very few examples where people do cash out. But invariably, betting is about, well, betting is all about value. And you're cashing out at bad value, basically. You're giving the bookie, you know, favourable terms, essentially, on your bet. So 
Um, yeah, as I say, it's probably something that we should talk about in, um, in a show coming up. So we'll put that on the to-do list. But the immediate to-do list uh, features the games coming up this weekend uh, and some really good fixtures to look forward to in the Premier League and around Europe. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's take you, the viewers and the listeners, into Dean's tactics room. What you got for us this week then, mate? Well, it's a team we haven't actually discussed, and I feel a bit bad about that. We haven't actually discussed Manchester City at all on the on the Bennett Wright show this season. And given that they're top of the league and it's Guardiola and it's the Man City show, I feel, you know, I've kind of sat there when I was looking at the games and I was thinking, what would be a great tactical battle to talk about? And I think Manchester City, coming off of the 5-0 win against Sporting Lisbon, playing against Tottenham, who have lost three games in a row under Antonio Conte, which is the first time that he's done that since he was Atalanta manager in November 2009. Uh, it's a really interesting matchup for me. OK, and what areas particularly um, do you think will be the focus of both managers' attentions? Well, looking at how Manchester City played against Lisbon, they played Lisbon played similar to formation to what Spurs have been playing. They played that back five with a two and a two and a one, so that boxing midfield. Now, Spurs have changed it around this season when they played the big the big teams. Against Liverpool, they played a midfield three and went with two. Still with a back five, and Antonio Conte very rarely deviates from that ever since he took over at Juve for his second spell. He's very much been you know, religious in the 4-3-3 since the 2012-13 season. So for Antonio Conte to change shape, it's not going to happen. He's not going to move his team to adjust for, for, for Pep's Man City. So firstly, I looked at it and said, well, this is a really interesting contrast Pep's a coach that over the years he's really moved his team around and changed players' positions and allowed his fullbacks to play inside and given a really specific role to Fernie and Dino. You know, he's had the false nine, he's overloaded midfield, one fullback inverted. He's really played around with his team depending on his personnel and he's adapted to what games need. And he's been a real leader in that across kind of coaching circles around the world. Whereas Antonio Conte is the complete opposite in that ever since moving to this back five, maybe he moves from a three and a two in midfield. But it's very much that back five loves to play with a back five or back three in possession, that three, five, two or that three, four, two, one. And in this game, it's really going to come down to whether Manchester City approach it in a similar way to they did against Sporting Lisbon and whether Tottenham can defend that. And what City did really well against Lisbon, having Sterling and Mares high and wide in the first phase of play. So when the ball is in the defensive third, having them pin and hold the back five in and with Foden playing in the in the false nine, he can just drift into midfield in front of the centre-halves. They don't really want to jump press because that pace in behind the wing-backs uh, of Mares and Sterling, which they used so well against Lisbon, leading up to the first goal and leading up to uh, to the third goal. So, you know, what Conte is going to have to do is, he's going to have to decide, right, do I play a midfield three to try and cover those inside pockets? Do I then have two centre-forwards that can peel off in transition, get down the sides of Imeric Laporte and Diaz and give us a little bit more on the counter-attack, that's what they did really well against Liverpool when they had that little bit of a break. They came in really high-octane. But what Man City do so well is they manoeuvre the ball inside team shape and then they look for those runners on the outside. If they can't get those runners on the outside, they move the ball to the outside and then they have what they like to call seam runners down the inside pocket to then cut the ball back, which was kind of the, the way that they got in for Foden's shot, the, the first goal that looked like it was offside. And with that, what, what Spurs have really been struggling with is the position of the wing-backs. Now, the wing-backs, 
Do they get into the line early? Do they stay out of the line and make more of a 4-4-2 press? Do they go into a deep five early and then kind of almost play 1v1 against Sterling Mares in, in those channels with Bernardo Silva and Kevin De Bruyne, you know, interchanging and empty and filling space? It's going to be a really difficult one for Conte to, to kind of work around. And what I would say to Bellet Right punters is, leading up to this game, looking at the team sheets, if Tottenham play a three and a two, expect those three to cover the width of the pitch better. It may be Kane and Son. They were the two that peeled out against Liverpool. Um, but the difference in this game is that Diaz and Laporte defend the counter-attack so well. So they can be really high. The fullback's really wide. They can be aggressive and they're happy to defend one versus one. So this could be a really, really interesting tactical battle uh, when it comes down to team selection, the role of Foden in that false nine and how uh, Tottenham are going to defend City who, when they play well, are just unstoppable. Any bet suggestions in this or any angles you're looking at with a betting focus? Yeah, um, I was looking at this thinking, oh, you know, could it be both teams to score? Uh, but then I was looking and then this again will come down to the team selection. And how aggressive Spurs want to be. Man City coming off that 5-0 win. Spurs off three defeats. Conte coming out in the news today saying that they've had a really bad January. You know, they've, they're have they now weaker than they were before the transfer window because they lost four players and only gained two. And also, it was interesting to see Conte say today in the news that he now understands that Spurs are a team that want to develop younger players and bring younger players through as opposed to buying ready-made players that are ready for the starting eleven. And that, to me, sounds like someone that's setting up a nice little story that if he fails, he can fall back on that and say, well, I did say it in February, you know, we, we are a team that are developing players. And he's gone from kind of saying that the players aren't good enough to saying they had a poor January to now saying that, oh, now I understand we're here to develop and we're not here to buy ready-made players. So actually fans, you should expect us not to win every game and not to do so well. So it's a bit of a, he's playing a few little mind games there with the fans, with the team, with the media. So I think for this, I went away from the both teams to score market because I could see City really locking this off um, and playing really well. And the potential bet for me would be for City to cover the handicap, which at the moment is minus 1.5. Um, I think that's a better bet than the overs because City might have to carry it all. May change if Spurs play two or three in midfield. May change if they don't play Mares and Sterling, which can really pull the wing backs and then open up the pockets on the inside for Bernardo Silva, uh, for Kevin De Bruyne. Um, yeah, and you know it's going to be a really interesting matchup. Could it would be a really good tactical uh, match to watch if if the Bet It Right users and the and the betters out there are into those tactical battles. It's going to be a great one to watch. Yeah, well, it's very interesting listening to you talking about it in the in the tactics room. So Man City Spurs the uh, the focus of our attentions in the tactics room. There are some great games in the Premier League though, and we're going to turn our attentions now to um, to the Premier League preview. And uh, Dean's going to cast his eye uh, over uh, another of the title chasers. Is there still a title race or is that dead? I don't know. No, I, th I think there is. You know, Liverpool, if they win against Norwich, they can cut the gap to six points. And the six points for City is a big gap. But, you know, it's only one. It's a one. It's obviously a two game swing. But I think it's still there's still a chance. I'm a romanticist. Okay. What can I say? And a massive Liverpool fan. So, of course, they're in the title race. Well, purely for James, our superstar editor, I'm going to go, as you can tell, ladies and gentlemen, this week's Premier League preview is Liverpool versus Norwich. And then what he's going to do right now is put on a very sexy little wipe. Um, so without further ado, James.
He's a genius. He is a genius. He's done it. Liverpool, Norwich, what are we looking at? Well, the interesting thing about this is they play this weekend, but then they also play in the FA Cup fifth round on March the 2nd. And Norwich having, you know, a nice little run, stumbled in the last couple of games, still in 18th. Newcastle having that brilliant run. The St. Maximan show is rolling into London uh, for the West Ham game. And they're looking just like a team that are really on the front foot. Now, would this could this be a game where Norwich just say, well, we're not going to get anything from it. Let's just let's just chuck it in. Now, the reason I wanted to look at this game is from the prices angle. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about Liverpool Leicester at home. And in that game, Liverpool were minus 1.75 and the market was over 3.5 on the goals. And we talked about taking both markets, Liverpool and overs, that they would have to cover the goal line. And, you know, they would cover the handicap, but they were probably going to have to cover all the goals as well. Maybe run out 3-1 winners. But we were looking at kind of a 4-0. A four now, in that game, Liverpool had 65% possession. The XG was 3.3 against 0.3. So the differential there was 3. 21 shots on target versus one shot on target for Leicester. And obviously they won the game 2-0. Uh, Leicester's XG saved was something, mad, I think it was 19.5, which is just bananas. Um, so in that game, you look at it and say, ah, they covered the handicap by half, um, but they didn't cover the goal line. So I was looking at this game and I was thinking, well, this is kind of similar. You know, Norwich played against City uh, a couple of weeks ago. They went off at only plus 1.75, ended up losing 4-0. But the XG was insane. Uh, Man City 6.7 and Norwich 0.7. So the differential there is six goals expected. Uh, so when you're looking at this and saying, OK, well, Norwich are now going you know, away to Liverpool. Would you put Norwich in the same category as a depleted Leicester? Um, you know, Norwich went away to Chelsea, lost 7-0. Uh, the differential there on the XG was 2.7. That was 3 to 0.3. So you're looking at it and you're saying, OK, well, how much XG do we actually expect Norwich to get here? 0.3, 0.4. You know, Liverpool, are they going to be fatigued from Inter Milan? Yotta's got an ankle injury. Does Diaz come in and start? So I was looking at this and I was thinking, well, this is kind of like the conversation we had. So for Bet It Right users, these sorts of games, you can go into the Bet It Right website and you can look at, you know, XG scored, XG conceded. And Norwich's differential is around 1.2 for the season. So you would look at that and say, well, you know, Liverpool are minus 2.25 in this game. That's a whole extra goal. You know, is it value? But then that's the average across the season. So what you can yeah. do is go into the Bet It Right website, go into those games against the bigger teams, against your Chelsea's, your top sixes, and actually look and see, right, well, when Norwich play these top teams, how much XG are they giving up and how much XG are they earning? And the style matchups, Liverpool's aggressive style, players in the pockets, Norwich wanting to play, but being exposed through individual quality, this could be a real game where the XG differential could be massive, two and a half, three, three and a half, four. So I think this is a game where the, the, the smart money would be on Liverpool to cover the handicap, which is at the moment set at 2.25. There will be lots of people looking at this week with fantasy Premier League in mind because it is a double game week for Liverpool. So do you captain or triple captain a Liverpool player this week because they've got Norwich and then Leeds next week. Now, for example, my team has Salah, Trent and Andy Robertson. Do I captain a defender in the expectation that it's unlikely to see Norwich going to Liverpool and offensively doing a lot? 
or is Salah the safe? I mean, Salah is, I guess, the one that's going to get a lot of eyes. But would you be playing that card with Norwich and Leeds coming up, given the way Liverpool set up and their huge sort of XG numbers, goals, lines, etc.? Would you go defensively or offensive or offensively if you were triple captaining someone from Liverpool? Would you say? You can't have heart. You can't have a heart like a captain and a vice captain, can you? Can't do one point five <laughs> each. <laughs> yeah, just like it's I think there's probably value on both ends of the pitch. Uh, you know, Norwich are going to go there, defend, try and get something on the counter. Probably play four four one one. Really, just try and keep Liverpool at bay, like Leicester did, and it would just be Liverpool banging on the door. Having gone away to Inter Milan and had a tiring game, on a, you know, on a big pitch at the San Siro, there may be a few changes. So it could be risky, you know, will Salah give, be given a rest in this game because of the AFCON, you know, could he come out and they play maybe Firmino and Diaz along with Mane with Yotta out? You know, it could be a game where he gives them a little rest because you know that that game against Leeds is going to be higher tempo with Leeds, full pressure. So maybe this is a game where your Oxlade Chamberlains and your kind of fringe players maybe get a little bit more minutes. So there is some risk in that, which is, you know, it's difficult for the FPL, for the FPL guys. On the betting side, when you look at the market, and the handicap is minus 2.25 and the goals are 3.5, it's like, right, you're falling into that sweet spot of Liverpool winning 3-0 or 4-0. 3-1, you'd lose a half on the handicap but get home on the goals. 4-0, you'd get home on both. 2-0, you'd get home on neither with losing a half on the handicap. So for me, I think, obviously, you can't wait for teams, right? The FPL deadline, how does it work with the, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's tricky. This could be a game, you know, does Salah need a rest? He had a hard AFCON. He's gone and played last night as well in Italy. Well, the only thing is Jürgen did say, like, basically Salah wants to play every game and we'll play him as much as we can, essentially, when he came back from AFCON, because he wants okay. to rest the game, he put him on the bench. But in an well, interview, he said, like, we'll just play him as much as we can. I'm not so, going to give uh, advice on captains. I don't want to be the guy that's hung out to dry when, you know, James Milner scores a hat-trick from centre. <laughs> Minamino. <five laughs> exactly. But I would say on this, on the betting side of things, I'd say it's probably better in this game to bet Liverpool on the handicap than it is on the overs. For those of you that want to make a little double, throw a bet builder in or just to go double, then Liverpool on the overs is, is the shout here with their style, just being able to dominate Norwich individually and as a team. OK, and good luck to FPL players, uh, whatever you decide to do. Uh, but from if you want to get us a hat trick, then I mean, I need to start playing FPL, right? Yeah, I mean, you've definitely just sat on the fence and now you're claiming <laughs> it. So, <laughs> make your mind up, man. Um, that's the uh, Premier League preview. Looking forward to that. Um, let us know what you're doing with regards to your FPL. And as we go through each show, I'm sure by now you know, but all the data that we're talking about, Dean's talking about, that you're seeing as well, if you're watching with us on, on the YouTube show, that's available to you at betitright.com. And it's so easy to sign up. It's free to sign up. It's all on your computers um, so you can do your own research ahead of double game weeks in FPL or indeed if you're looking for bets at the weekend. So that's the Premier League preview you dealt with. Let's turn our attentions next to the Championship. Preston against Reading. We saw Reading in the week, a ball draw. Um, I, I don't know how long you want to spend on this, but I doubt this is going to get the uh, get. I doubt this is going to set the world alight. This fixture is it? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, last you're week about we to tell about... me it's going to be a massive overs game. Aren't you? No, I mean, last week we talked about Blackburn, West Brom, and Steve Bruce and Tony Mowbray's, uh, you know, Good romantic 
Valentine's date and it was a nil-nil board draw. Yeah, as, as we did actually talk about. Yeah. But no, this game, this is not a glamorous game, but it's a game where you know, I can see a clear bet, which is why I want to give you know, value to, to people that watch the show and look at the clips. Preston, outside chance of making the playoffs, unbeaten in six. Reading having a complete season meltdown, no win in 12 after their nil-nil draw against Peterborough last night. Eight defeats in a row, um, including a 7-0 spanking by the goal machine that is Fulham. In the last eight games, Preston giving up only uh, just over half a goal a game and Reading conceding almost three goals a game. And it's just a very unhappy camp at Reading. And so this is, you know, Preston on the handicap, a home game. Uh, bet them at minus a half or if you want bigger odds, bet them minus three quarters, knowing that you need to win by two clear goals to win the whole bet. If you want to put them into a, an acro or bet builder, then a Preston win at home is a great shout, I think, for this weekend. There's also a big game in League One, actually, on Friday night, top of the table, clash between Rotherham and Wigan. Uh, Rotherham, are, I think, two's on to win League One, but Wigan, who have game in, games in hand, haven't been in great form at the moment. But if they win that, then that you know might have an impact on... The, well, it will have an impact on the outright markets in League One, but it's certainly worth keeping an eye on that for any League One fans out there because it's obviously a huge fixture at the top of the league. Well, Rotherham have to get promoted, right? Isn't that in the rules? Well, it's certainly... It's, <laughs> They need to win the league, and that's in the rules of my anti-post bet. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was just there was some sort of underhand like rule in the league where Rotherham just get promoted and relegated successive seasons forever until you know we die. That's just how it is. I think it's going to be a bit like Norwich in the Premier League of the Championship for the rest yeah. of the time, getting up and down. Um, anyway, keep an eye on those fixtures, and um, and yeah, and actually. I mean, I support Yeovil, as you know, Dean, and they're terrible. But the National League's actually a really interesting league in terms of the outrights as well. Boreham Wood are in great form. Wrexham are still a big price. They've got um, a bit of a task on their hands, but obviously the money behind them, they're not out of it. And you've got the likes of Stockport up there, Chesterfield and what have you. So some quite interesting sort of outright markets the lower within the lower leagues. But... Um, Anyway, that's a look at the championship and a discussion about a couple of the other leagues. Next up, we're going to get the passports out and head to Europe. Right, Dean, what have we got across the leagues in Europe this week? Well, in Serie A, in Italy, I picked a game where I think there's going to be goals. There's a couple of little caveats on that. Firstly, well, the game is Fiorentina versus Atalanta. Fiorentina in eighth, Atalanta in fifth. Lost uh, Fiorentina lost Vlavic to Juventus in January, so they're still trying to work around that. Uh, Arta's come in from uh, Basel, but supposedly the manager doesn't like him because he doesn't fit the profile. Christopher Piontek's coming on loan uh, from Hertha Berlin after having a, a kind of miserable spell there in Germany. And they're still trying to figure that out. But if you look at the records of the two teams, Fiorentina 11 out of 11 home games over 2.5, um, Atalanta 8 out of 12, Away games over 2.5. Team selection is key for both teams. Atalanta play at home tonight uh, against Olympiacos in the Europa League. And they have been a squad that's been hit by a lot of injuries to key players following the COVID outbreak that we discussed last week. But a potential bet in this game that I think is a great shout. It, both of them, Atalanta trying to get into those Champions League spots. Fiorentina trying, trying to get that consistency of their season back together. is over 2.5. And if, you're, if you want a, a little bit of a bigger price then to go for 2.75, knowing that three goals wins you a half and four goals wins you your entire bet. Okay, so that's Serie I thought the Atlanta-Juventus game was quite a good game to watch, actually. It was um, 
tight, but um, yeah. The, yeah, they were uh, much, They, you know, we discussed that game last week and they were much, much better against Juventus. Yeah, and it's a team, they thrive on games where oppositions come out and press them and make the game fast. That forces them to play quicker. When they play teams that want to defend, they really can struggle to open it up and it's almost like they drop down to the level. So this should be a game, Fiorentina at home, very aggressive, should be a game that... Uh, is quite a high tempo and, and should be good for both teams' style to bring them out and, and get some goals. They're like me when I play tennis. I'm hopeless at tennis, right? And if I play someone who's similarly awful, not that Atlanta are bad at football, but if I play someone who's bad at tennis, I'm genuinely like can't essentially can't get it over the net. But if I play someone who's got like a semblance of ability, then I raise my game. And I kind of get that impression with Atlanta. They're better against better sides. I have no data to back that up and on the better right show I should present data to back that argument up. They, <laughs> they they strike me as a team that sort of perform better around better units about around better players they sort of raise their game I think well yeah and you mentioned Boreham Wood earlier and you know look at them yeah winning in the FA Cup and going through and that's why you have upsets in cup games that's why you have teams from the bottom of the league beating top of the league and that's why we love the game right you know that game six degrees of separation we've gone Atalanta my tennis to Boreham Wood in three steps, and I love it. Well done. <laughs> Aren't we supposed to, the next step's supposed to be Kevin Bacon, isn't it? And that's yeah. yeah. Bacon. <laughs> Who owns Boreham Wood? There you go. No, no, no. Boreham Wood, uh, near the stadium, there's an EE shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> works for EE because Bernie Madoff stole all his money. Yeah. You've done it. Well done. Um, all right, League Av, we've got um, a game you want to touch on there. Yeah, and I wanted to pick this game because there's just a rabble of legends. Well, I say legends, a rabble of people playing for Nice. And I and I, and I follow a little bit of all of the leagues, obviously, for the show. But I had a good look, good look into the fixtures this weekend. Nice in third against Angers. Uh, nice have Gauthier as their manager who won the league last year with Lille. And they've lost the last two. Marseille have, uh, have won the last two in second. So there's a real battle at the top there for that Champions League spot. And Nice have have been transformed this season and Angers are coming to the game three defeats um, out of uh, in a row and they're only eight points above relegation so I looked at this and I thought this is a nice matchup Nice one of the better teams we haven't talked about and then I remembered that the, the players in their squad are just brilliant so rocking around at centre half you've got Dante 38 years old still with the big the big do centre midfield you've got a couple of old Southampton boys uh, Lamina and Morgan Schneidlin who as an Everton fan is just an absolute waste of money. Their two wide players are Justin Cliver and Kefrem Turan, the sons of Patrick Cliver and Lillian Turan. And then at centre forward, you've got uh, Amin Guyuri, I can never pronounce his name, who's attracting a huge amount of attention around Europe and has been their leading goal scorer. So when I just looked at that team, I was like, what a kind of, it's like watching, uh, what's that film with Dolph Lundgren, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Sylvester Stallone. Oh, yeah, they're like, yeah, I know the one you mean. The legends of, like, yeah. They're actually making number four at the moment. They've got the... What? The, yeah, they're making didn't number four. didn't even know there was number two. Yeah, number two, number one, two, three, and now they're making number four. And this is like this is like a really poor version of that. It's the Nice team. Um, but looking at the stats, they've got the second best defensive uh, record in the league behind PSG. Close to 1.5 goals. Uh, in possession and Angers in the last eight they've averaged 1.64 goals conceded when you look at that and the handicap at the moment is Nice about minus three quarters you wouldn't quite be there on numbers but this is where using the data from the bet it right show using the individual matchups using the form uh, using the style of the two teams 
that actually could cover that difference there. And I think that Nice are a really good bet to cover the handicap at minus three quarters. Um, in a game that I think and 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 the guys that bet it right, we think that it probably should have been a minus one game. And you can almost you can almost get even money on that current prices at one point nine six. So that's a, another great shout. Similar to the Preston bet, needs to win on the handicap. Uh, the expendables is the answer. The expendables. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. So Nisa like expendables 10 with, uh, you know, I don't know who else will be there soon, but yeah. That's a really, I don't know if that's a really bad analogy, but hey, I'll, I'll live with it. I liked it. Um, okay. I'm going to pass on this Bundesliga baton to you straight away. <laughs> <laughs> So the final bet for today is what's been described in-house as a bonus Bundesliga banker bet brought to you by Bet It Right, featuring Borussia Mönchengladbach. Boom. I mean, the the price of you getting that right first take was 100% odds against and probably shortest price on offer was about three to one. But yeah. you did it. Go well, collect. Go to the, go to the, you know, go see your bookie, get pick your cash up. Because I did deliver the Bundesliga bonus banker bet brought to you by Bet It Right, featuring Borussia Mönchengladbach twice in a row. <laughs> it's uh, I could have said actually Borussia as well, but it's Borussia Dortmund Gladbach. Dortmund have been great for goals this season. Gladbach having a rough season under a new coach. And yeah, just both teams to score there. You're not going to get massive odds around 1.55, 1.6, but it's one of those to chuck into an acker, into a bet builder, or into a, a you know larger single bet. I think it's a great shout to be a, a nice little Bundesliga banker bet and alliteration all round. <laughs> okay, good. I won't make you do it again. <laughs> thank, thank you very much for your thoughts, as always. Um, we've dealt with Harry Maguire, the tactics room, Liverpool versus Norwich, FPL, three games in Europe, a, a riveting game in the Championship, as well as Kevin Bacon, Boreham Wood, and, of course, the Expendables. So we've covered a lot of ground on today's <laughs> Bet It Right show. And your um, but, tennis skills. Yeah, and me being crap at tennis. Yeah. Um, yeah, as always, it's been a real pleasure. But just a reminder, BIR Insights, BIR Prompts on Twitter for all your information over the course of the weekend, um, run by the excellent team at Bet It Right. Uh, BetItRight.com for all the information available to you. Just sign up, join us, tell your friends, get involved. You can see all the information we're talking about. And uh, use that to help you bet better. But as always, mate, thank you very much. A, a pleasure chatting to you about the football. And um, hopefully some of those bets come, come in at the weekend. I'm sure they yep. will. I hope they will. Have a great weekend. Good luck to all the FPL, all the punters. Get on Bet It Right. Use the data. Spend some time. Build your bets. And have a great weekend. Top stuff. We'll see you next week, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Like, subscribe. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. 